Hi, I'm Kurt Roth, president of 505 Sports Venture Foundation, and this is episode 69 of the Talking Grammar podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Jeff Grammar with the Albuquerque Journal, and this is the Talking Grammar podcast. Glad you're watching. Glad you're listening. However you are here, uh, much appreciated for this and all our shows on the Albuquerque Journal podcast network. Glad you guys are a part of it. And uh, this week's episode, as you saw, is Kirk Roth. And he is the guy kind of spearheading the NIL collective for UNM athletes to get paid for their name, image, and likeness. And uh, I, I think it's going to be an interesting conversation. I think you guys will probably learn a little bit about what NIL and the college athletics landscape is right now, some of the challenges he faces, some of the challenges UNM faces. And uh, you'll learn a little bit more about what UNM athletes are going through right now as part of this new NIL world where they can get paid as college athletes, which is still very new. And uh, last couple of years is really when it was allowed by the NCAA and it always used to be illegal prior to that. So whole new world for college athletics and it's a good world. Uh, college athletes are getting a little bit of the money from a very lucrative college athletics business. So um, Kurt Roth will tell you a little bit more about that. And at the end of the show, I do want to remind you about a subscription deal, digital subscription deal that the Albuquerque Journal has going on right now for sports fans and uh, more about that at the end of the show for now. Hope you enjoyed this conversation with Kurt Roth, the founder and president of the 505 Sports Venture Foundation. All right, Kurt, well, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, I, I know you actually fairly recently have been on this show. It was uh, just in the springtime, episode 62, for anybody that was following when we were still just going with the audio format. But welcome to our new digs here. Oh, it's fantastic. It looks great. It uh, we're at, we, looks like we know what we're doing. We got I know Brandon Mason, your guy, was giving me a hard time about the cups. And uh, I, I'm sure you saw the Brandon Mason episode just last week. I did. I did. I did. Yeah. And that leads me to a question. I know. Uh, if I was episode 69, I guess that's there's been six, uh, episode 62. There's been six episodes since. Yes. As I recall, two of them were Richard Patino, yep. the head of UNM basketball. You had Jamal Baker, yep. who is at his fourth school. Uh, he will play professional basketball, is going to have a breakout season. And then we had Jalen ha uh Jamal Mashborn yep. Jr., who led the Mountain West in scoring, uh, has improved incredibly over the summer. I've seen him play. Uh, looks like a deadly three-point shooter. Will be possibly player of the year in the Mountain West and who knows, across the country. Then we had the boss of all bosses, Eddie Nunez, on, followed up by my good friend and business partner, Brandon Mason, Mr. New Mexico Basketball. Now, that's all after me. My question to you is, now I'm back, was Lobo Lucy busy today? Is that why I'm here? <laughs> well, the, the list of guests has, uh, has shrunk quite a bit, so uh, I'm going to be calling you every other week now. <laughs> okay. Um, I did say Jamal Baker and Jamal Mashburn Jr. were great, and um, I, I've told the guys around here, I, I said, you know, I'm going to have more Lobo players on, and, and you know all the players, um, but those are two of the best interviews um, on the team, probably, and and I'm sure all the other guys have really good stories. They're not probably as seasoned and uh, comfortable in front of the microphone as those two, but uh, yeah, I might have uh, I might have messed up a little bit by having probably two of the best well-spoken <laughs> interview guys um, right out of the gates. So um, uh, I I do want to talk to you a little bit about those guys and and your relationship with some of the guys on the team. And um, for those that don't know, though. Uh, you with the 505 Sports Venture Foundation. Um, I, because we did just have you on in the spring, I'm not going to go too in-depth on the on the recap, but what's the uh, the introductory 
um, explainer to people that don't know yet what NIL and what 505 Sports Venture Foundation is? Well, that changes regularly uh, because we've become part of the fabric here in New Mexico, uh, 505 Sports Venture has. And the terminology is not so new anymore. Uh, People are understanding that the kids can get paid. They get it. And it's become very public. Uh, Some schools like Texas have actually published totals that they've paid. I think Texas announced they've paid over $5.5 million to basketball players. Just basketball. Just basketball. Not exactly sure that's the exact number, but it was over $5 billion. So that's the landscape. People get it. Uh, What we're trying to get across now is that it's the way things are. Uh, Will it change? Maybe. Uh, Is it going to change today or tomorrow? No. Is it vital for the University of New Mexico to compete uh, on the playing fields to have a um, solid NIL program? The answer is yes. And that's the message that we're getting across now. People are hearing it and coming along with us. You... um you, you did tell this. I will ask you to repeat this story. Why, why you? Why, why did you take this on? Obviously, you have um, a background with UNM and a background with UNM athletics and, and just been interested. But uh, why don't you kind of repeat what you've told me before as to why you thought this was worth your um, time? Well, first, people have told me recently that I have a mental illness and this is nuts. Um, but what I wanted to do, I have been an avid Lobo supporter. I'm a Lobo for life is a term that was coined when I was on the foundation. And for almost 30 years now, I've had some financial wherewithal to be able to travel from New York uh, to Albuquerque and to other places to follow the Lobos, specifically, but not limited to men's basketball. Uh, I've been able to donate money. I've been able to spend time as a trustee. I spent eight years on the foundation. Um, I also don't have children. So what's my legacy? Um, Could be UNM. Uh, And UNM treated me well. Uh, I spent, or my parents, who were Mm. educators, not wealthy, told my brother and sister and I that they would pay for college. It didn't matter where I went. Well, I'll make this keep the story short, but without any scholarship aid, uh, with a little stretching to become a resident, uh, I became a resident three years. My parents paid $2,940 for four years of college at UNM. And in the 70s, the, I'm sure it still is, in the 70s, the UNM faculty was awesome. I had great professors. I had a great college experience. Uh, since that time, as a lawyer, I've done... Uh, a billion dollars in real estate transactions, and the best deal I've ever seen is the one I got at UNM. So when I saw the sports part change with this NIL, uh, I had a short meeting with um, Richard Pitino, and we talked about it, and I said, heck, what a great place to come to to retire, basically, or or I guess it's not retirement, it's move and start a new business. And the one thing I say as an entrepreneur, and I've been self-employed running a law firm my uh, entire life, professional life, is that the combination of athletics and sort of law and contracts and the fact that there's not, this didn't happen ever before, we're kind of making it up as we go along, was extremely exciting. So that and the combination of UNM, it just happened. You obviously, UNM, and, and I, I've said this um, you could say it, but 
in your position, some people may be skeptical as to whether or not to believe it. Uh, I can vouch for around the Mountain West and just out West in general, not just conference. I don't want to just isolate it to the Mountain West conference. You, you guys were out in front of this quite a bit, and um, it helped it helped UNM athletics over the last couple of years because you guys were ahead of the curve um, on NIL in general. And I'm curious how how fun, if that's the right word, um, how much have you enjoyed uh, doing this? Is it more than you, uh, did you bite off more than you can chew? Did you, are you regretting maybe making this your retirement new job? No, I, I didn't bite off more than I can chew. We're just finding out how much we can chew. Hmm. Um, am I regret? Not a regret at all. It's been a blast. It's been it's, a lot of work, though. It's a ton of work. It never ends. Um, it's a full-time, it's a job and a half. Now, I, ha- I will say, in fact, we're having a meeting of our board this afternoon. When I started this, it was myself and my good friend Rick Siegel. Yeah. And we worked out of the back of a car he lent me. <laughs> uh, now I have a staff, an office. Uh, we have some people out beating the bushes for money, uh, talking to local businesses. We have a plan. So it's kind of morphed into an organization. Now, the hard part of that is what does the organization look like? There's a standard business model, but no one's ever done this before. So, And we had some really interesting ground, let's say, to navigate the relationship with the university, the the student-athletes who are not as sophisticated, perhaps, and not represented. So it's hard work, but I love it. The uh, the landscape. I want to get back into more specific about five hundred five here in a minute. Let's let's go broader for just a minute to understand the landscape of NIL and the NCAA right now. The NCAA, um, obviously, this is allowed, but it's very clearly still. Um, I guess I would say not comfortable in the eyes of or, or a lot of the the people running the NCAA and athletic directors are still a little uncomfortable. Um, I'm going to get in a moment to the Eddie Nunez comment um, and and your guys' relationship together. But the NCAA in general, I'm curious what you think um, or how you would describe the current landscape of the NCAA's partnership or working relationship with the NIL world right now. Are they still are they okay with NIL or are they still trying to find a way to not let it really happen? It's hard for me to really know because that's sort of an inside NCAA position. But they're they've been horrible. Um, not with us, just in general, they're grasping. Now I did see something, I think they, and they're run by smart people. Right. So you wonder how they could get in. They created this. Yes. The NCAA's obstinance and failure to deal, deal for years. I mean, the model was out there. Uh, We go back to major league baseball in the seventies. The owner said, no, 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 we are on our team for life. And every, every league down down the line, all professional leagues finally lost in court or agreed to settle. The NCAA held, held out forever, and they got punished. They lost total control, which is a result of being obstinate and rock-headed. <laughs> now, every once in a while, they make a recommendation. Some are okay. Uh, there seems to be one out now. There seems to be a little movement toward getting the schools a little more involved, yeah. which intent. The intent probably is to get the NIL guys like me less involved, give the school a little more control, which ultimately is what's going to happen, I believe. Uh, And should have probably a long time ago. Yeah. 
I agree. Uh, so their work, they're trying. Now, they keep, they, they're sponsoring cheap shots back in Washington in mm-hmm. Congress. It's, they have hearings in the Senate. They haven't called the person from an NIL collective yet. It's a joke. Uh, and the good thing for groups like us for now who are operating in under rules that are undefined, uh, we follow the law and we know that you know, the idea that in Washington NIL legislation is going to get passed when one party can't even figure out who's in charge is, you know, is it's ridiculous. And in light of events of the world, the fact that Congress even looks at NIL yeah. is embarrassing. And that is sort of, though, as you alluded to, that's sort of been the history of the NCAA on, I don't want to say just player rights issues, but um, frankly, on on a lot of player rights issues and, and giving the players throughout the process, the, the student athletes, um, a little more here or there. I mean, it, it seemed like they were fighting for a while cost of attendance and they were fighting for a while stipends to live off campus and and food allowances and stuff like that. All of that eventually has come forward so the student athletes um, can get all that. And that's where we're at with this as well. It's it's not the idea. I, I still think some people's uncomfort with NIL and just the term that they hear comes from the idea that they think all these athletes are making millions of dollars, which, which even if they were, who cares? Really, it doesn't, you know, if they're still playing for your team and still playing college athletics and keeping some athletes in college longer than they otherwise would have been, like, I don't understand why that's necessarily a bad thing. But ultimately, I think uh, there's still a misconception about what all this is and how much money they're getting paid and and all that kind of stuff. Your relationship with UNM and how much um, athletes at UNM are getting paid and stuff like that, I, I want to get into in a second. But Eddie Nunez, I called on, on the episode I had with him a couple weeks ago, a reluctant um, participant in the NIL world and a... Uh, uh, my word was reluctant and, uh, his partnership with, or the partnership with UNM and you guys, I'm curious about, because I know he was an athletic director, like all the rest who was kind of trying to keep NIL and collectives at an arm's distance. Cause he kind of had to, cause the rules were changing all the time for him. Um, I want you to listen to first what Eddie said about the relationship with you guys and NIL in general, and, uh, then we can respond to that. Well, I'll say, first of all, I'm not reluctant on our student-athletes making, generating revenue for their name, image, and likeness. That, to me, look, as a former student-athlete, I think that's awesome. Um, if if they can do that, you know, you saw um, Luke Whitesong, you've seen some others between Sadie's and other companies here sure. locally that have decided we wanted to partner up. Where I was a little, reluct- a little reluctant, but it wasn't because of the individuals running it or the organization of the, was the collective, because for me— my concern is still because we're not 100% fully funded in all the sports. Right. And that is a priority. You know, our, our teams are still fundraising to help their overall budgets. So now we've made strides since I got here. I mean, I think we're maybe at 50% most sports. We're closer to 70 now. We still got to get all the way to 100. So for my, my hesitancy from the beginning was more so because I didn't know how it was going to affect our fundraising. And were we going to be able to both live in the same space yeah. Understanding we all want to get to the same goal. We all want to be successful. We all want to give our student athletes uh, an opportunity to, to generate the revenue that they, they, they can. Um, but we, I was trying to figure out how do I get there and still get the local club where it needs to be. Yeah. So we, what I did really last year was I was supportive of it, 
I give Kurt Roth and the 505 Sports Venture a lot of credit for coming and sitting down with our compliance office, sitting down with Dave Williams, my deputy, and really just having dialogue and understanding, look, what, what are some of the things you want us to be careful with? How do you want us to? Because, yes, they could have gone out of the gates and said, we're going to do this. And they did. They yeah. were ahead of many in our league. But for me, it was like I, I, tr- I always trusted the individuals that were part of this group. But as individuals, but doing what we're trying to do now, everybody was trying to understand, how, what does this mean? What does yeah. the collective mean? What are the guidelines? What are the parameters? So where we are today is I sit back here and say, okay, we just finished this past fiscal year. We've fundraised more than 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 um, ever been, than yeah. ever been done. And again, testament to our Lobo fans and supporters. And we were able to do what we needed to do for the for the for the collective group. They did what they needed to do. We keep an arm's length away from them because that's what the NCAA wants us to do. Yeah. It makes it challenging because at times we cannot communicate as well as we probably need to or should. Um, but we're working with them as much as we can to to make sure that this path forward is the right path. So yeah, I'm supportive of them. I think it's we need them now more than ever. So a lot there. Um, long, nice, long answer from Eddie. Um, and, and from, as I told him, from where I sit, watching this ha- unfold in front of me with you guys as a collective and him as a athletic director in university, um, I would say reluctant was the term I used. Um, they were nervous about getting involved and in, in working with you guys at first. Here now, two years later, you guys are partners, whatever exactly that means. I'll let you explain. But uh, how has the relationship with UNM evolved over the last couple of years and, and uh, is reluctant um, accurate for their initial uh, work with you guys? Did he say that? Or no, did I you did. Say that's that. my word. Definitely that's a my good, word. That's a good word. Uh, and you have to understand, I was frustrated in the, from the get-go because they were reluctant, I guess is a fair word. But I had to sit just like a contract negotiation. Where are they coming from? Now, Eddie Nunez has been involved in college athletics since he was a freshman in college. Yeah. He's risen to the top. He's at a Division I school. He's got a huge budget to manage. He's got the government watching him. He's got you guys watching mm-hmm. him. We know what nonsense his predecessor had to go through. There's a lot of pressure in that position. I wouldn't want to be him. He had a way of doing things that he had experienced since he was 18 or probably being if he I think he was recruited I I, I think he walked on one time yeah. but from that time on the rules have been different so and he's risen to the top in an industry how it has to be difficult the game changed overnight so at first for me I saw it as an opportunity. I'm an entrepreneur. Eddie and Dave Williams they're administrators. It's a little different. Yeah. They have high pressure jobs. They have a huge budget, but they have to answer to someone else. Um ultimately whether it's the president, the governor, the regents, they, it, it, I wouldn't want that job. I'll say right. it again. So they were reluctant uh and I also think they were rightfully concerned that the NCAA, if they were going to put their foot down, might pick a New Mexico instead of Duke. Because, you know, we all know what Jerry Tarkanian said years ago. Yep. You know, I think it was North Carolina or North Carolina State. He said, 
when the investigation was finished, they were so upset at North Carolina State, they put Cleveland State on another year of probation. And so rightfully so, I think there was concern that if, there, if we did something wrong, or even if we did something that was perfectly legal in New Mexico, mm-hmm. that the NCAA would say, no, we're going to take a stand, and it might be on Eddie Nunez's yeah. neck. And essentially, if the NCAA wanted to make an example to tell everybody look, we're going to come down hard on this. It's going to be a New Mexico they come down on. They're not going to come down on one of their maybe bigger cash cow kind of um, programs that, that maybe are a little higher profile than New Mexico. Yeah, that would be unique if they did that. Yeah. So they had uh, viable concerns, and we worked through it. And they are, you know, arm's length in certain you – know, Eddie said we keep arm's length, yeah. I think. There's some arm's length, but we, we – dis- we, I, I was in the athletic department yesterday. We meet with marketing. We meet with the Lobo Club. We meet with Dave Williams regularly. They're great. Uh, they make suggestions because, again, we don't know what works. We don't know where to go all the time. I have a great staff. I have a great uh, Sobel Solutions with my partner or high-end marketing folks. But this is new. So the input from UNM on a regular basis is invaluable. We have to have it. And they've been great. This partnership um, and working relationship that you have with UNM, and we're talking in terms of David Williams, uh, Eddie Nunez, and the administration, when it comes to the coaching, a lot of people want to know what your role specifically can be and what it is with recruiting and, and what it, how a new recruit uh, gets to UNM to play whatever sport and has an NIL deal um, in place so quickly. Uh, what is the role of a collective, and yours specifically, with the recruiting process, if any? No, I can't say none, but it's virtually none. Yeah. We don't get involved with players. I, um, I am not – I'm a fan. I watch a lot of college sports. I read periodicals. But I don't know the kids, the high school kids, right. or, or even the transfers, which is a whole different – uh, ball game. World, yeah. So no, we have no contact with uh, uh, kids unless they make a visit to UNM. And then on occasion, not always, we will meet and talk about what we've done in the past. We make no promises. Uh, we of course can't under the NCAA right. recommendations, not under New Mexico law, they're different. Under New Mexico law, theoretically, an NIL collective could sign contracts with 100 kids for, for one sport, and it would be contingent on if they came. Yeah. But because of the NCAA's poo-pooing that, we are very rarely – well, we're not involved in recruiting. Uh, we're part Other of the process. If, exactly. Can... Exactly. We don't reach out to anyone. Yeah. I – uh, and I guess that kind of highlights, too, the reluctance maybe of a, of a David Williams and an Eddie Nunez um, where they know the NCAA will come down on them if you guys do that. But New Mexico law, to be very clear, and a whole lot of states around this country have laws that have not only do, does it would you not be in trouble for doing that. Some of the laws actually get fairly specific and say, yeah, do it. Almost in, I don't want to say encourage it, but actually are written in a way that uh, almost encourage you guys to, to get involved and to, and to help the student athletes in ways that they're not currently being helped. But if you do that, the NCAA um, would then come down on the school. 
Yeah, well, it's interesting. I, I, I gave a little talk to um, at Academy High School yesterday, mm -hmm. and we there was some questions about law, and there are two types of law for it. And just in general, there's what's written down, statutory law, and then there's common law, which occurs after someone brings a, a court case yeah. and the, the judges or a jury interpret what the law is. Well, there's no common law on any of these NIL cases yet. Uh, and some, some of them are actually punitive toward the NCAA. Um, I made a joke about being on the last 10 seconds of one shining moment if yeah. the NCAA came after 505. I kind of would relish it from a legal perspective because they don't have we're following the law of the state of New Mexico. Yeah. And the NCAA is a non-for-profit. Like, why can, how can they tell anyone who's running a legal business what to do? Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting time. And that's part of the attraction that I found to this whole deal is no one knows what it really means yet. All right. Let's shift that then a little more specific to UNM. Um, a lot of uh, I want to start with international athletes, uh, a lot of international athletes at UNM for various sports. And uh, what's the what are the rules with international athletes and, and getting an IL? Nobody knows. <laughs> um, the, 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 the NCAA doesn't have any rules. It's not NCAA rules when they talk about which kind of, again, highlights the whole complexity of all this is like the NCAA has all these rules that don't actually apply to the New Mexico state rule. The New Mexico state law doesn't actually apply to international players either. But then there's a the whole other entity which has to do with student visas and, and right. how they are it's, able to come here to go to school. It's basically the federal government. Yeah. And I've heard opinions from, you know, immigration and naturalization to homeland security. Get who's involved in this. And, and can you imagine how I find it utterly ridiculous that immigration could care whether a backup player on a Division One basketball team makes $5,000. Right. It's, it, it's ludicrous. But what we've come up with, we, there's, we've developed a sort of a network. Uh, and UNM, a, couple of UNM, a couple of three UNM players have agents. Um, uh, one player has uh, – one agent has had two players here. Uh, we formed a group that we exchange emails, have Zoom conferences with agents, accountants, immigration attorneys. And basically, I think we kind of followed the lead. Arizona, if you look at their roster, yeah. I think seven foreign players out of the, out of the scholarship guys. Uh, there are some restrictions. Uh, the immigration law basically says that kids on, on a certain visa cannot work off campus. Now, if I pay uh, uh, Joe Italy uh, from Rome $1,000 for his picture, which is what name, image, and likeness is, he's not working. Right. I can use his image. He sold it to me. Just like if I'll, I'll use an example, uh, Sebastian Forsling. Yeah. If he had a car, is immigration going to say he can't sell it? <laughs> well, it's not working. He had a car. He sold it. He has his image. He sold it. He's not physically working. And I think if you really get back into immigration concepts, the idea was they don't want kids coming over on visa and taking American jobs. Yeah. So that's kind of the immigration thing. They're here for school. 
so if they're on a on a team, on a track team, for instance, yeah. UNM has a lot Great of cross country in particular. Right. Uh, golf. Yep. Why can't the kids earn money for their name, image, like us? They're in school. Yeah. They're playing their sport. They're not taking anyone else's job. And legally, you're pretty confident that they could if they wanted to, um, at least under New Mexico law. But that's therein lies the problem with some of this stuff. Is then you got the federal government overseeing it, you got the state government overseeing it, and you got the NCAA overseeing it. Which in this particular case, I know the NCAA actually doesn't really have an opinion. I don't. I don't I have, think they have. I haven't seen any. Well, I don't find it a problem. I, I think it's fun. Yeah. You yeah. know, uh, being a lawyer for 38 years with rules and regulations and statutes, so this is like wide open. So as long as we're consistent, you know, th- there's room for some bad stuff. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. But we have uh, – the law is explicit in New Mexico. I was stunned when I read it. Um, I, one of the first calls I met, made was to Brandon Mason. I said, Mace, you should read this law. This you can't believe what's legal, <laughs> so you know that's sort of an inside joke in the statute of limitations. Well. <laughs> he, um, I, I know he has some international players now too at uh, um, going to his prep school. So um, th- this this goes beyond the college level too, and and I think uh, and that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with it, in, in my opinion, as it pertains to UNM though specifically. How many Lobo athletes right now are under? Contract, if that's even the right term, um, under some sort of uh, contract with you guys, is uh, that the right that term? That is the right term. Every person, we we have we have players under contract who receive no money, but we have the right to market their name, image, and likeness. We have the right to use them at photo shoots mm-hmm. and whatnot. We have players who are under contract because they received a few dollars to pay for uh, an unreimbursed medical procedure. Mm-hmm. Everyone's under contract who we have, who receives any benefit from us. And again, some who don't receive a, a financial benefit. I should know this. I don't. Uh, I'd say we're about 50. Okay. About 50 student athletes. The goal is all of them? All of them. That's my goal. People are telling me I'm out of my mind. I won't quit till we get everybody. Something. Obviously, that covers a lot of the sports then that um, people don't associate when they think off the top of their head about NIL. Um, it's not just the men's basketball, the women's basketball, the football. You, you are talking cross country, track, golf team, stuff so, like well, that. Well, we have uh, we have a, a softball, a couple, yeah. of, a couple of women in softball, tennis. Uh, I am. Well, I'm headed to the uh, baseball um, golf outing on on Friday, and uh, baseball is one of my passions. UNM is set up to be a perennial national contender, and what we're missing is it doesn't have to be large, an NIL program. Um, what we found, and I won't get specific, but um, students can play as graduate students, but the scholarship changes. And so a a graduate student might have to pay a lot more money than he or she did as a senior. And so uh, specifically at least one, if not two or three of our athletes who would have stayed transferred because they had another year or two at graduate school and there was an NIL benefit to simply make up the difference in the tuition. How does a football player in season – how how do you use them compared to how do you or now that basketball starting how do you use uh, a Lobo basketball player um, for some of your events and some of your um, just initiatives 
during the season as opposed to in the offseason. Okay, well, first let's talk football because we had a young man, Deuce Jones, who came to us. And it was really a, a heartwarming, I, I, I don't want to sound smudlin', but Deuce came to us. He was not on our radar. And he had an idea. And he grew up in a home, a single-parent home, and they were low-income. And one of the things that stuck with him is he went to school on the first day of school without a backpack and without supplies. And it was horrible. Yeah. He was ostracized. So he got comes to New Mexico, and his sister said, okay, you're a big shot. You better do something. So on his own, he came up with an idea to raise money to provide kids in New Mexico who didn't have enough income to provide them with backpacks and school supplies. And he came to us. My chief of staff, Nancy Marquez, went up and got a donation of 75 backpacks. Uh, one of our board members kicked in $3,500, and we had an event. Five of the kid football players showed up at a middle school. We gave out 75 backpacks full of school supplies to kids that would never have had them. And the kids loved it. They loved to interact with the players. I mean, the players like it. But for a guy like Deuce Jones, to me, it was just that's an incredible use of the NIL. Um, and for instance, and again, this weekend, that football game, we're gonna we're we're gonna be inside the stadium, the little table. Um, uh, you won't hear this until after. But um, if you if you were at the football mm-hmm. game. When you hear this, um, future football games, uh, maybe? future football games. Also, we are going to have this weekend. We're going to have a couple of three men and a couple of three women basketball players at our booth, taking selfies, signing autographs. They're all part of our team. Why wouldn't that have been allowed prior? It, it blows my mind that the NCAA. This is what you talked about earlier when the NCAA getting in their own way. Really, in a lot of ways, stuff like this was there were hurdles in front of stuff like this. Yeah, there were. Uh, and, you know, I think if I had suggested it uh, a year ago, my buddy Dave Williams would have keeled over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, that's that separation that Eddie was talking about. So the separation is in more the financial legal aspect. Who's paying for the backpacks exactly. and that kind of stuff. Exactly, exactly. So the fact that we're a licensed partner, and, and, and we pay for our license. We have the right to use the logo. You know, you're in the pit. You see us on the message board. You hear Portnoy talk about us on Lobo Talk, that yeah. type of thing. Um, but, yeah, it seemed like a no-brainer to me. Uh, and UNM was, of course, again, that goes back to the reluctance. Like, wow, on, you know, on the site, on the stadium, is that a problem? And the answer is it's not. And so here we go. We start Saturday. How do these contracts work in terms of a player getting kicked off the team, transferring, leaving? Are they set up in a way where you guys – break ties with them as soon as they break times ties with the team in any way pretty much uh but i will tell you our contract is incredibly player friendly okay uh i came at this with the first player i negotiated with after he committed to unm didn't have an agent and i'm from a world where we do 30 40 50 page contracts that are hideous in the legal world I drafted a one-page contract because I didn't want to freak a kid out. Yeah. And the contract basically says you owe me an appearance or a photography shot once a month. We also make it mandatory that they attend a marketing and an accounting class to learn about the financial implications of receiving money. Sure. We don't 
they're not employees. They're in essence individual con- independent contractors, so the tax isn't taken out. But they're paid over generally over the year. They must be eligible in school, and they must be a, a member in good standing of uh, a team at UNM. I will ask one more specific UNM question, then we're gonna, I'm going to hand it over to you to tell people how they can get involved and how you guys are making your money and all that. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot here, and, and you've, you know this is what the curiosity of a lot of people is, and, and I'm curious what kind of money, you did say some people are getting no money that are under contract with you, some athletes. What kind of money has a place like UNM or some schools in the Mountain West, how, how much money are the, the top-end athletes getting? Are you at liberty to, to at least ballpark it for us? Six figures. Even here? Even here. And with that, um, is that something that you can – I mean, I think I know the answer, but, I mean, that has helped keep some players here. That has helped – that has helped with recruiting, even if you guys weren't the recruiters. Correct. More importantly, we have a we have a um, sort of a, a motto, and it's retain yeah. is the first R. It is not uh, an, an NCAA violation to tell someone who's on campus, if you stay, this is what we can pay you for your name, image, and likeness. They're already year. here. Let me tell you, on the men's basketball team uh, – Two players were approached illegally, or at least by NCAA rules, sure. tampered with, I guess. I'm not sure of the language. It was made known, maybe not directly. You know, they, they, they're still the old recruiting game, the AAU coach, the high school and it's coach. Happened a long time. The grandfather. Yeah. That a couple of players at UNM were offered, in essence, greener pastures. And possibly we didn't actually get to that certain level, but we made it comfortable for them to stay. And that's a big, hey, in NIL, the big issue is the transfer portal. Yeah. You get, if, if, if you can finish in three years, you can literally transfer twice as a second time as a graduate student. Yep. So now that the, we're timing out of the, the, um, COVID, year. the COVID year, yeah, we're not going to see much more of the five-year guys. Uh, I don't think, <laughs> but then there's Mr. Baker, <laughs> so, seven-year guy, uh, who's one of my faves. Um, but yeah, that's that's retention is what, and and we're working hard with the football community because the wins and losses will the wins will come, but we have some high-end football players out there, yeah. and if we can't compete, they're gone. A lot and, of them left last year. Yeah, they did. So. How do you get this money? Okay, well, there's a lot of ways, but, you know, you can find me on the street. But the easiest (laughs) way is to go to uh, our website, 505sports.org. We have multiple levels. Um, We'll take – hey, listen, if you – I think you can donate 50 cents online. We're glad to have it. We have a reoccurring plan, $20 a month where we have a week, uh, weekly newsletter, as long as I'm awake, we get it out. Um, we, have, we had an open practice with the men's basketball. We will have pretty much monthly events. 
Uh, we've kind of merged with the old Lobo Lair website. Uh, if you want to participate in the message board, that comes with the, the $20 a month level. Of course, we have Catalyst Club, $2,500 a year. We have all sorts of gear. And then, of course, our, our founders, and, and, and that's $25,000 and more. But we're also out there looking, and I'm really pushing for interaction with the business community. Yeah. Um, and I think that's an important thing. All the research we've done and have been given to us shows, especially in a town like Albuquerque. There's no major league team here. When the Lobos fill the pit, when 20,000, 25,000 people fill this, the football stadium, the town thrives. Yeah, last year kind of showed that with Lobo basketball. Also shows it in Albuquerque. You know, I think the first time in 11 years you can't buy a suite at, yeah. in the pit. Uh, ticket sales will be strong. Uh, we'll have a sellout earlier than we did last year. And I think, uh, just as a little comment, I don't want to put any pressure on Mr. Patino. No, of course not. But 50 years I've been watching, I've been here 50 years watching basketball. This is the deepest roster and most talented roster UNM has ever had. And I'll put that up against the Kenny Thomas, Michael Cooper. Those guys played six, seven guys. Yeah. There's 11 ball players, 12 ball players out here. And we're still sh- missing a scholarship. Are you making any guarantees? Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, uh, I've had those discussions with Mr. Patino where he said, well, if we're no good, is it your fault? I said, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just help with the ingredients. You got to bake the cake, dude. The uh, the run San Diego State made last year, probably as reluctant as a Lobo fan um, can be, probably helps to convince people locally that it can happen at this level, um, that, that a Mountain West school can with the right ingredients. Um, bake the cake that can get all the way to the Final Four if if done right. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, but can you imagine San Diego has, you know, uh, the Padres and, yeah. and they're close to L.A. Everyone's a Dodger fan. If they're not a Padre fan, they had pro football that's up the street. If the Lobos made the champ- national championship game, this place would be nuts. In San Diego, it registered a blip, but the university made a out very very well so the idea is for men's basketball and women's basketball we're working there too is to have the talent good student athletes to make a run in march kurt i appreciate you for coming on i know you've you've been on twice now and a lot of this is repetitive at this point you're doing an awful lot of repetitive explaining um to people but um i do appreciate it i am hoping uh as you guys are trying to get some of these athletes that you have under contract platforms to 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 do whatever for the business community this platform and the albuquerque journal obviously is very interested in in somehow figuring out a way to to work um with you guys on on that front um and of course still covering the teams the good and the bad but um we we do hope that there's some opportunities that you know we can work with you guys as well and uh, i do appreciate you for coming on thanks a lot it's been my pleasure thanks jeff all right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Kurt Roth and the ever-changing world of college athletics and NIL in particular, some of the challenges that UNM and Lobo athletes are facing, some of the uh, answers that hopefully uh, he was able to provide you, the the, the viewer and the, the readers and listeners to this show, uh, about what is really going on with um, NIL and how athletes, college athletes can now get paid 
which they weren't allowed to do just a couple years ago. And the NCAA still kind of has some restrictions on all that. It's a, it's a tough world to navigate. Kurt Roth and his group uh, doing a great job in helping UNM athletics retain athletes every bit as much as recruit them. I know a lot of people think this is pay to play and trying to recruit athletes to come to a particular school. A lot of this is about retaining athletes to keep them at your school. I'm glad he talked quite a bit about that. So hopefully you know a little bit more about the NIL world and um, hope you're enjoying these shows. Hope you're enjoying these conversations we're having with people around the UNM Lobo basketball community and UNM athletics in general. It's part of the Albuquerque Albuquerque Journal podcast network, but also abqjournal.com's digital product. We're, we're really putting out a whole lot uh, more effort into video, into some of these podcasts, and into our coverage in general. And there is a new digital subscription offer that we are offering right now for sports fans in particular. There are Lobo basketball tickets available if you subscribe at abqjournal.com slash subscribe slash sports will get you directly to this $59.99 one-year access to everything at ABQ digitally, abqjournal.com, but also the e-edition, the PDF print replica of our every page that goes into, into print. You get a copy of that. I know some of you fans are maybe parents of athletes, uh, out-of-state fans that are just watching this podcast or following our coverage from elsewhere, can't get the print edition. This offer is especially for you. And if you off, if you subscribe, the first 50 subscribers by October 21st will receive two tickets to the November 16th UNM Lobo men's basketball game against UT Arlington. If you subscribe between October 22nd and the end of the month, October 31st, one person will be entered into a drawing to win 10 free Lobo tickets for a yet-to-be-determined Lobo basketball game later in the season. We also have a QR code running in the print edition of, of the Albuquerque Journal that you could just scan your phone. It takes you right to the page if you want to go there and subscribe. But it comes out to about $5 a month. It is a great deal. It's our best deal right now for all full, complete access to our digital product at abqjournal.com. And uh, once again, appreciate you for listening and watching all these shows. Hope to see you again next week.